Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Kennard Brown speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. As I stated uh, toward the end of the other program last week, um, this is going to be a change, uh, perhaps a permanent change, uh, with the program instead of starting at 2.30, or I can't remember what it was, 2 o'clock at 2.30 uh, Eastern Standard Time. We're going to be starting at 10.30 Eastern Standard Time from now on until further notice. So shalom, peace to those on the east, west, and central regions of the United States and around the world. This program today will be about how to overcome a problem that all of us have participated in, gossip, uh, evil speech, um, talking about something that's bad about someone behind their backs, or even if it's true, if it's something, a uh, certain sin that someone has to go and, and tell other people about it, and then it spreads and it spreads and it spreads. Um, that's something that the Bible calls tail-bearing, and that's something that we should not be doing. So, um, anyway, I hope that this Bible study will help all of us overcome this uh, grievous problem in this country and, and around the world. But first, um, I want to go over some world news, um, see if there's anything significant going on in Jerusalem. I have covered the uh, tornadoes that have been occurring in Oklahoma and the reason why in the past program, so go ahead and listen to those at your leisure if you like in the archives. So let's go to watch.org and see what's going on in Jerusalem. You can come or go with me if you want. Uh, if you're by your PC, uh, watch WATCH.org. Uh, this is World Watch Daily Koenig International News. Uh, it says right here, report, U.S. successfully tests bunker buster bombs. Uh, U.S. urges Syria, Israel to safeguard long-held ceasefire. Obama defends U.S. surveillance program as a trade-off for security. And really, that's that's it right now. Things are a, a little slow right now in the world, but uh, <laughs> things start to pick up eventually because there's so much wickedness that uh, God has to remind us that um, He exists, and He does that, as I've explained in these, uh, I think, the past two programs, uh, by allowing weather disturbances and 
and other things to uh, hopefully wake us up as a human race. All right, well, as far as national news, let's go and see if there's anything going on here. I usually go to this blog called The Economic Collapse. And it's uh, the T-H-E, Economic Collapse, blog.com. So if you're on your PC right now while you're speaking to me, you can go to the website along with me. Okay, the article, the head article of this blog this week, or currently right now, is the U.S. government has been stealing user data from major Internet companies without their permission. So this, again, violation of our rights based on the uh, Constitution of the United States. Uh, Meet your new boss. Buying large employers will enable China to dominate 1,000s of U.S. communities. This is interesting. I think I'll read a little bit of this. Are you ready for a future where China will employ millions of American workers and dominate thousands of small communities all over the United States? Such a future would be unimaginable to many Americans, but the truth is that it is already starting to happen. Chinese acquisition of U.S. businesses set a new all-time record last year. Let me underscore this. Chinese Acquisition of U.S. businesses set a new all-time record last year and is on pace to absolutely shatter that record this year. Meanwhile, China is gobbling up real estate and is establishing economic beachheads all over America. If China continues to build economic power inside the United States, it will eventually, excuse me, it will eventually become the dominant economic force and thousands of small communities all over the nation. Just think about what the Smithfield Foods acquisition alone would mean. Smithfield Foods is the largest pork producer and processor in the world. It has facilities in 26 U.S. states and employs tens of thousands of Americans. It directly owns 460 farms and has contracts with approximately 2,100 others. But now a Chinese company has bought it for four Point seven billion. That's what it would be, four point seven billion dollars, and that means that the Chinese will now be the most important employer in dozens of rural communities all over America. Rural outside the city communities all over America. If you don't think that this is important, you haven't been paying much attention to what has been going on in the world. Thanks in part to our massively bloated trade deficit with China, the Chinese have trillions of dollars to spend. They are only just starting to exercise their economic muscles. This is all has everything to do with uh, Bible prophecy, ladies and gentlemen. First, I have to tell you a little disclaimer. When you see the words children of Israel, Israel in the Bible, uh, in a lot of cases it's not just talking about the Jews, uh, you know, the Jews that live in the, in the Middle East and are scattered around the world. If you look at Genesis chapter 49, it talks about 12 tribes of Israel, the tribe of Judah is is consists of the Jews. So what about the eleven other tribes? Well, um, actually, Levite also is is a part of Judah as well. What about the ten other tribes? I should say. Well, historians have said that they are lost. Well, the only loss of people that don't that that, that don't know that Yah or God has not mercifully revealed the knowledge. 
Well, if you're listening to me today, this is your opportunity to understand who Israel really is. Uh, go to www.beasandboyritam.org. That's www.beasandboyritam.org. And be enlightened. And please prepare for some incredible information that you perhaps have never heard before. Um, the information on the website, your Davidi's website, will reveal to you through using biblical sources and outside of bi- biblical sources, secular sources, that the modern tribes of Israel today consist of geographically the United States, the British Commonwealth of Nations, including Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and the countries in Northwestern Europe. Of course, anyone that claims to believe in Yeshua Messiah has automatically been considered or is considered a part of the 12 tribes of Israel today. So that is some truth that perhaps you've never heard of before. But I always always must state that because I know I do get new listeners and and when you hear me say Israel, of course you automatically think of the Jews. But all of Israel is not just the Jews, ladies and gentlemen. That is the truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. So, um, another article here on this website, The Economic Collapse. It says, 12 clear signals that the U.S. economy is about to really slow down. Yeah, I guess I'll read this. It says, uh, a lot of things that have not happened since the last recession are starting to happen again. As you read the list below, you will notice that the year 2009 comes up again and again. There is a reason for that. Many of the same patterns that we witnessed during the last major economic downturn are starting to repeat themselves. In fact, many of the things that are happening right now have not happened in quite a few years. For example, manufacturing activity in the United States has contracted for the first time in four years. The inventory-to-sales ratio is the highest that it has been in four years. Average hourly compensation just experienced the largest decline that we have seen in four years. We also just witnessed the largest decline in the number of mortgage applications that we have seen in four years. After everything that Barack Obama, the U.S. Congress, and the Federal Reserve have tried to do, there has been no real economic recovery, and now the U.S. economy is suddenly behaving as it is as if it is 2009 all over again. A whole host of recent surveys indicate that the American people are starting to feel a bit better about the economy, but the underlying economic numbers tell an entirely different story. The following are 12 clear signals that the U.S. economy is about to really slow down. And I'm going to click and read what those 12 signals are, because uh, this is very important. The average interest rate on a 30-year Mortgage has risen above 4% for the first time in more than a year. That's the first one. Number two, the decline in the number of mortgage applications last week was the largest drop that we've had since 2009. Number three, Mark Hansen is reporting the mass layoffs have occurred at three large mortgage institutions. Number four, it was just announced that the average hourly compensation in the United States experiences largest drop since 2009 during the first quarter of 2013. Number five, as I write about as I wrote about the other day, the Institute for Supply Management for Manufacturing Index declined to 49% in May. 
any reading below 50 indicates contraction. That was the first contraction in manufacturing activity in the United States that we have seen since 2009. Number six, the inventory to sales ratio has hit a level not seen since 2009. That means that there is a lot of inventory sitting out there that people are not buying, which is not good. Number seven, according to the Commerce Department, the demand for computers dropped by a stunning 9% during the month of April. Number eight, as I noted in the previous article, corporate revenues are falling at Walmart, Procter & Gamble, Starbucks, AT&T, Safeway, American Express, and IBM. These are, these are real big companies, ladies and gentlemen. And for corporate revenues to fall, these big companies tell you that something is seriously wrong. Number nine, job growth at small businesses is now at about half the level it was at the beginning of the year. That's not good news. Number ten, the stock market is starting to understand that all these numbers indicate that the U.S. economy is really starting to slow down. The Dow Jones was down 216.95 points on Wednesday, and it dropped below 15,000 for the first time since May 6. The S&P 500 has now fallen more than 4% since May 22nd. Is this the beginning of a market correction, or is this something much bigger than that? Number 12, Japanese stocks are now down about 17% from the peak of May 22nd. Japan has the third largest economy on the planet. Let me underscore this again and repeat it. Japan has the third largest economy on the planet, and it is one of the most important trading partners for the United States. A major financial crisis in Japan would have very serious implications for the U.S. economy. If we were going to have an economic recovery, it should have happened in 2010, 11, or 12. Unfortunately, as a recent Los Angeles Times article detailed, an economic recovery never materialized. It says real GDP growth, which is gross domestic product, the value of goods and services produced after adjusting for inflation is 15.4% below the 3% growth trend of past recoveries, wrote Edward Lerner, director of the UCLA Anderson forecast. More robust growth will be necessary to bring this recovery in line with previous ones. It is not a recovery, he wrote. It is not even normal growth. It's bad. Okay, so you can read the rest of this article. It's a lengthy article. But again, I recommend you regularly review this website. It has a lot of information that the major media outlets that are controlled by the elite will not tell you. All right, let me read my quote from my uh, weekly quote anyway. It should be weekly sometimes. I think I one program I didn't do it, but this book that I have in, in my hands here, Prayers and Presidents, Inspiring Faith from Leaders of the Past by William J. Federer, um, I want to read a quote from a president out of this book each and every week to hopefully motivate us to, to go back to our Bibles and, and to realize that even these great men understood the uh, importance of the Bible and believing in God. So, So anyway, let me read a quote from... Theodore Roosevelt, the 26th President of the United States, on page 140. And this is uh, Theodore Roosevelt, October 29, 1902, National Day of Thanksgiving Proclamation. So this is what he um, had proclaimed that day. 
We now abundantly enjoy material well-being and under the favor of the Most High, we are striving earnestly to achieve moral and spiritual uplifting. The year that has just closed has been one of peace and of overflowing plenty. Rarely has any people enjoyed greater prosperity than we are now enjoying. For this we render heartfelt and solemn thanks to the giver of good, and we seek to praise him not by words only but by deeds, by the way in which we do our duty to ourselves and to our fellow men. Amen to Theodore Roosevelt, our 26th President of the United States. And that reminds me of a scripture saying, hey, we just don't, he stated here, we seek to praise him not by words only, but by deeds. And that reminds me of a scripture here in James, actually not James, First John chapter 3, beginning in verse uh, 18. I'm reading this in the easy-to-read version of the Bible. Actually, I'll read this in the King James because he uses the same word, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, our 26th president of the United States. First John 3, verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. All right. So let's talk about how to overcome gossip, ladies and gentlemen. Gossip is a big problem in this country. Uh, we started this scandalous trend with creating the gossip magazine i'm going to or i'm going to talk about the history of that a little bit so i'm at um, wikipedia.com here under the subject gossip magazine it says gossip magazines feature scandalous stories about the personal lives of celebrities this genre of magazine flourished in uh, north america in the 1950s and early 1960s. So the title Confidential alone boasted a monthly circulation of excess of 10 million, and it had many competitors with names like Whisper, Dare, Suppress, The Lowdown, Hush Hush, and Uncensored. These magazines included more lurid and explicit content than did the popular newspaper gossip columnists of the time, including tales of celebrity, homosexuality, and illegal drug use. So we have a history, ladies and gentlemen, of wanting to understand other people's business, wanting to know other people's personal business. And and that's that's not right. That's a part of gossip. And we should not desire to know other people's business, ladies and gentlemen. And um, that's being nosy and that, that's against the laws of God. And I'm trying to find me a scripture here about minding our own business. That's something that uh, we all need to do. Um, because if we don't, then uh, we, we are obviously sinning. Here we go in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11. states the following, And that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business. So we need to do our own business. Don't meddle in, in other people's business. And uh, that doesn't mean that we should not help them, but we need to, to learn how to help people help themselves. Okay? So the Jews call the evil tongue Lashan Hara. And to start this Bible study, let's turn to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. 
This is a very, well, first of all, I, I like to tell people this. This epistle is prophetic. The reason why I say this, because this epistle is dressed to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. James 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greeting. This epistle is for everyone, but in particular, it is to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. And I told you what those tribes consist of. And I gave you a website to prove what I'm saying is true. www.beasinboyritam.org, Yer Davidi's website, that reveals who these 12 tribes are today. The 12 tribes today consist primarily of the United States, geographically primarily of the United States, the British Commonwealth of Nations, including Canada, the countries in Northwestern Europe, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and of course, anyone that claims to believe that Yeshua Messiah, Jesus Christ, is the Christ, the Messiah, is grafted into the Commonwealth of Israel. So, this epistle is addressed to those people. It's addressed to everyone, but in particular to those people. And in James chapter 2, it talks about being partial and being partial and favoring the rich over the poor. We have a big problem with that in this country. Uh, this epistle really reveals who Israel is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> what, what did Christ say? You will know them by their fruits, by their, their behavior. Well, this definitely reveals the major issues that we as a nation have in uh, the United States and all the other geographical regions, ladies and gentlemen. We, we love gossip, and it talks about gossip in Chapter 3. And then chapter 2 talks about that we have a poverty issue in those regions, um, in the United States in particular. The gap between the rich and the poor is the, is the deepest and farthest of any other nation around the world. Uh, we have over 50 million people right now that are on food stamps in this country. Uh, there's no reason why someone who wants to work in this country uh, should be on food stamps. Uh, former presidential candidate John Edwards stated that it would take $20 billion, that's what it would be, billion dollars every year to eliminate poverty in this country. And that is very possible because we have the most billionaires with a B in any other country around the world. We are the richest country in the world. We economically lead the other tribes of Israel, the United States. And so anyway, James chapter 2 talks about poverty, uh, in particular the rich favoring the poor, that we shouldn't do that. Then it talks about having works, uh, talks about in particular saying that you believe in God, that's, that's trust is really belief in God, it is belief in God, and, and it gives an example of saying you believe and yet you don't want to help someone if you have goods, which, like I told you before, the, the most a lot of people in those geographical areas have a lot of money. So James chapter 2, verse 14 says, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man says he has faith or belief or trust and has not works? Can faith, trust, or belief save him? Verse 15, If a brother or sister be naked 
and destitute of daily food. And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace. Now remember, this is addressed to specifically to the twelve tribes of Israel. And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them no, not the things which are needful to the body. What does it profit? What does it profit? Even so, faith, if it has not worked, is dead, being alone. And so that's a problem that we have in this country. I know from experience that, that it is a problem. Uh, it's, it's very difficult for people in this country that have money to give to other people. There are some a few good, righteous, righteous, uh, righteous uh, rich people in this country, but uh, Yeshua prophesied that that is very difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. He should know. After all, he is the word of God. And he stated plainly that it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. <laughs> you know a camel can't go through an eye of a needle. So he, he's saying that this is really virtually almost impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, ladies and gentlemen. Now, of course, with God, anything is possible. But that rich man, there's clear commandments to a rich man. And First Timothy, or should I say a commandment, First Timothy chapter 6. It says, charge them, First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Charge them, or command them, that are rich in this world. And many are rich in this world, in this country, in the United States. They that, that they not be high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Verse 18, that they do good. So someone who's rich should be busy doing good. That they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, not running away from it, but you should be ready to distribute. You shouldn't be picky about who you give to uh, because you want to get a big tax write-off. That, that's, that's not how you should give if you're rich. But you should be ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Verse 19, or to share. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that may lay hold unto eternal life. So that's a clear clear instruction and commandments or commands for a rich person. Anyway, getting back to James, it addressed those issues and the fact that we have a lack of proving our belief in Yeshua Messiah by our works in this country, in particular people that have a lot of money. And then James chapter 3 talks about our problem with the tongue. And in James chapter 4, gets into why are there is there conflicts why is there conflicts and it, it talks again about speaking evil of one another and we do that in this country i mean with this latest uh election that we had was full of gossip and slandering and evil tongue and speech that's not of god ladies and gentlemen as we're going to see and then james chapter five talks about rich Men, again, the rich men that we have in this country, James 5, verse 1, and in those other areas I told you around the world. Go to now, because those are the richest areas around the world. Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that show are one of the richest regions around the world. Uh, James 5, verse 1, go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Again, this is addressed to the 12 tribes of Israel. And every one of those areas uh, is... is really prosperous go to now you rich men weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you verse 2 your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten your gold and silver money 
is cankered, and the rest of them shall be all witness against you, and ye shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for... Now, the timing of this epistle, this proves it is prophetic for the last days. For the last days. So, James chapter 2 addresses the partiality that we have uh, among the 12 tribes of Israel, the, the lack of uh, proving your faith by works. Uh, chapter 3 talks about gossip. Chapter 4 talks about why we have conflict and wars. And then, it, then again, it talks about evil speech again in chapter 4. And chapter 5 addresses the issue with uh, heaping treasure for the last days and being stingy and um, oppressing the laborers in the workforce. It talks about all those things in, in, in chapter 5. So uh, it addresses some other issues, but I'm just telling you the issues that it addressed are societies in, in these 12 regions that I, I told you about. The United States, the British Commonwealth of Nations, the including Canada, the countries in Northwestern Europe, New Zealand, South Africa, Australia. Okay, so let's get to what the Bible talks about in reference to our our tongues and how we can overcome this because this is a major problem I've had a problem with it we all if you want to be honest with ourselves have been guilty of uh, gossip and using our tongues in the wrong way alright James 3 verse 1 I'm going to read this in the easy to read version uh, for clarity's sake my brothers and sisters not many of you should be teachers I say this because as you know we who teach will be judged more strictly than others. And, yeah, I, I didn't ask to be a Torah teacher, but I am, and uh, I know I will be judged more strictly than others. And we all have to be careful about what we seek, and we have to be realistic about the abilities that we have, whether or not we are Torah. We should all be teachers, of course, but I'm talking about Bible teachers to people other than our family, our immediate family. That's something that... You have to, to pray to God to see whether or not you have that ability. Verse 2, we all make many mistakes. A person who never said anything wrong would be perfect. <laughs> and I'm certainly not perfect, and I know you are. Or I know that you are not either, because only one person was ever perfect on the earth, and that was Yeshua Messiah, Jesus Christ. Someone like that would be able to control their whole body too. Verse 3 of James chapter 3. We put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us. With these bits, we can control their whole body. Verse 4, it is the same thing with ships. A ship is very big and it is pushed by strong winds. But a very small rudder controls that big ship. And the one who controls the rudder decides where the ship will go. It goes where he wants it to go. And this is the easy-to-read version of the Bible. Verse 5 of James chapter 3, it is the same with our tongue. It is a small part of the body, but it can boast about doing great things. A big forest fire can be started with only a little flame. The tongue is like a fire, using an analogy. It is a world of evil among the parts of our body. It spreads its evil through our whole body and starts a fire that influences all of life. It gets this fire from hell. Verse 7, humans have control over every kind of wild animal, bird, reptile, and fish, and they have controlled all these things, but no one can control the tongue. It is wild and evil, full of deadly poison. We use our tongues to praise our Lord and Father, but then we curse people 
who were created in God's likeness. These praises and curses come from the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, this should not happen. Verse 11, do good water and bad water flow from the same spring? Of course not. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree make olives? Or can a grapevine make figs? No. And a well full of salty water cannot give good water. Are there any among you who really who are really wise and understanding? Then you should show your wisdom by living right. You should do what is good with humility. A wise person does not boast. Verse 14, if you are selfish and have bitter jealousy in your hearts, you have no reason to boast. Your boasting is a lie that hides the truth. That kind of wisdom does not come from God. That wisdom comes from the world. It is not spiritual. It is from the devil. Where there is jealousy and selfishness, there will be confusion and every kind of evil. Again, let me repeat this. Where there is jealousy and selfishness, there will be confusion and every kind of evil. Verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from God is like this. First, it is pure. It is also peaceful, gentle, and easy to please. This wisdom is always ready to help people who have trouble. Let me repeat that. This wisdom is always ready to help people who have trouble and to do good for others. This wisdom is always fair and honest. Verse 18, people who work for peace in a peaceful way get the blessings that come from right living. So this tells you basically how the damage that a tongue will cause and how to overcome it, basically. And it says in verse James 4, verse 11, Brothers and sisters, don't say anything against each other. If you criticize your brother or sister in Christ or judge them, you are criticizing and judging the law they follow. And when you are judging the law, you are not a follower of the law. You have become a judge. So we need to be careful not to say things that's against one another, ladies and gentlemen. Exodus chapter 20, verse 6. Exodus 20, verse 6. Okay. I think that's the wrong scripture here. All right, Exodus chapter 23. Well, actually, let's start in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 16. Leviticus chapter 19, we already started, but we're going to go to an Old Testament scripture here. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 16. Reading this in the easy-to-read version of the Bible. It says, you must not go around spreading false stories against other people. Don't do anything that will put your neighbor's life in danger. I am the Lord. So, this is very important to understand. It's a sin, ladies and gentlemen, to go around spreading false stories against other people. And we do this in this country. We do it in almost every organization. Well, yeah, I would say in in any organization, you have false rumors going around. That's just the way it is. But we have to do the best we can not to spread that type of garbage among whoever we fellowship with, whether it's on a job, in in a church, um, in an organization. Because, as I'm going to prove to you today, it's, it's, it's like a fire spreading. 
in a force, and it grows and grows and destroys the people who uh, are recipients of the false stories and people who hear it. Okay. Exodus chapter uh, Exodus chapter 20 verse 16 verse 16 it says you must not tell lies about other people the King James version says false witness but for clarity's sake I'm using the easy to read version you must not tell lies about other people it's one of the 10 commandments false witnessing has everything to do with lying uh, Exodus chapter 23 Exodus chapter 23, verse 1. Don't tell lies against other people. If you are a witness in court, don't agree to help a bad person tell lies. And again, ladies and gentlemen, we've all had issues with um, lying, you know, uh, not telling the truth, um, and also telling bad things about people, even if it is true. I mean, if you notice somebody has an, has an issue, a serious sexual problem, you should go to them first, as I'm going to explain, instead of spreading it around everywhere else. Um, unless, of course, this is um, it's a serious issue that will harm people, and, that, and that's something, that's an exception. But Exodus chapter 23, verse 7. Be very careful if you say that someone is guilty of something. Exodus 23, verse 7. Don't make false charges against a person. Never allow innocent people to be killed as punishment for something they did not do. Whoever kills an innocent person is evil, and I will not treat a guilty person as innocent. So that's very good wisdom there. Uh, Psalm 15, verse 3. And Psalm 15, verse 1, I'll start. A song of David, Lord, who can live in your holy tent? Who can live on your holy mountain? Verse 2, only those who live pure lives do what is right and speak the truth from their hearts. Verse 3 of Psalm 15, such people don't say bad things about others. They don't do things to hurt their neighbors. They don't tell shameful things about those close to them. So, you know, that, that's that's very important for us to to really uh, take note of the scripture here in, in light of what we're talking about avoiding gossip. Uh, Psalm fifteen verse three: Such people don't say bad things about others. They don't do things that hurt their neighbors. They don't tell shameful things about those close to them. Proverbs chapter eleven verse thirteen. People who tell secrets about others cannot be trusted. Those who can be trusted keep quiet. <laughs> this is a good scripture to, to memorize here. Proverbs 11, verse 13. People who tell secrets about others cannot be trusted. We need to all memorize this scripture because we've all been guilty of it, if we want to be honest. People who tell secrets about others cannot be trusted. Those who can be trusted keep quiet. Proverbs 20, verse 19. 
You cannot trust someone who would talk about things told in private. So don't be friends with someone who talks too much. So we we've got to be very careful if we if we around someone and you know that person's just talking about somebody else. You don't want to first of all, you don't want to listen to it. Say, so, hey, you tell that person, hey, you go to that person. If you have an issue with this individual, then you go to them first. And if they don't listen, then I'll come along with you. And I'm going to show you the way our Lord and Savior instructed us how we deal with, with, with uh, situations like that. But anyway, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 28. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 28. My people have turned against me, and they are very stubborn. They say bad things about people. They are like bronze and iron that are covered with rust and tarnish. And so, again, we shouldn't be saying bad things about people in private, okay, just to be doing it. I mean, it's, it's just there's cases where you have to do it, like in a court of law, and you have it, have it backed up by evidence. But, but this is talking about private conversations. Jeremiah chapter 9, or just out in the blue, just say, well, Kennard, he, he's, he's stupid. <laughs> you know, just, just out in the open. I mean, that's, that's, that's sin to do that. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 1. If my head were filled with water, and if my eyes were a fountain of tears, I would cry day and night for my people who have been destroyed. If only I, I had a place in the desert, a house where travelers spend the night, so I could leave my people. I could go away from them because they are all unfaithful to God. They have all turned against him. Now, how have they turned against him? I want you to pay attention to this. This is prophetic. Remember, the foundation of the assembly or church of God is based on the apostolic scriptures, the apostles, and the prophets. I'm reading the prophets. Please pay attention. Now, Jeremiah nine, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 2 if only I had a place in the desert, a house where travelers spend the night so I could leave my people. I could go away from them because they are all unfaithful to God. They have all turned against him. Uh, for, for the scripture proof that the apostolic scriptures and the prophetic scriptures uh, is based on the assembly, is, is the foundation of the assembly or church of God, turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. Uh, Jeremiah 9, verse 3. They use their tongues, so their tongues has something to do with them being unfaithful to God and turning against Him. If you use your tongues in the wrong way, you are turning against God. And then if we want blessings and healings and, and financial blessings and all kinds of things, we we got to learn how to control our tongue, ladies and gentlemen. I, I just realized that over the few days here, just thinking about it, that we... Our tongues have a lot to do with how we get blessed. What we say, it really does. Verse 3, they use their tongues like a bowl. Lies fly from their mouths like arrows. <laughs> lies, lies, lies fly from their mouths like arrows. Lies, not truth, have grown strong in this land. They go from one sin to another. They don't know me. This is what the Lord said. And lies can destroy a nation, can destroy a family, can destroy an assembly. Verse 4, watch your neighbors. Don't trust your brothers. And this is in the context of lying and slandering and gossip. Don't trust your brothers because every brother is a cheat. 
every neighbor talks behind your back. Again, this is in the context of people lying and and having the evil tongue. Verse 5, everyone lies to their neighbor. No one speaks the truth. The people of Judah, uh, talking about the Jews, have taught their tongue to lie. They sinned until they were too tired to come back. This is symbolic, or this can also apply to everyone else, not just to Jews. Verse 6, because um, it's a problem that every human being has had and continues to have some. Verse 6, one bad thing followed another, and lies followed lies. The people refused to know me. This is what the Lord said. Okay, so, again, this is a serious problem, ladies and gentlemen, and it has to be addressed, and we have to learn how to control our tongues. If we don't, then it's just something that, just like the Lord's brother James stated in the third chapter of his epistle, it's like a fire. And it just spreads and destroys everything in its path. That's that's what it is. Um, Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 9. In Jerusalem, people tell lies in order to kill innocent people. They go to the mountains to worship false gods and then come back to Jerusalem to eat their fellowship meals. In Jerusalem, people commit many sexual sins. But anyway, I just wanted to point out in the past and, and currently, this is a problem that God recognizes that uh, the lying and and, and and gossip and so forth is a big issue, even in Jerusalem. Back then and even today. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 11. You know, I read in one of my marketing courses that 91% of all people around the world lie. And I do the best I can not to lie. I mean, if I do lie, um, is accidental in, in, in a sense of not remembering what I said. It's not intentional lying. Uh, it's not like, hmm, i, I got to say something uh, that's not true because if I do, I'll get hurt. You know, I, I, don't, I don't lie like that. Uh, I try not to lie like that to the, to the best of my ability. Um, and the lies that I do... Uh, commit is lies I would say the majority of the time are, are lies that um, I'm not thinking when I say it and, and I don't remember what I said previously but I try to even eliminate that we should all try to eliminate lying period and I do the best I can with the Holy Spirit to do that anyway First Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 it is a true statement that anyone whose goal is to serve oops <laughs> getting something already. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 11 says this. In the same way, the women must have the respect of others. They must not be women who speak evil about other people. And, you know, there's, there's a few scriptures that talks about women having a problem with their mouths. Not that men don't, but it does specifically address women in the Bible about having a problem with the mouth. Uh, they must not be women who speak evil about other people. They must have self-control and be women who can be trusted in everything. So this is talking about the qualifications um, of an elder. And it's talking about, I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to see exactly what this is talking about here. Oh, this is talking about the qualifications of a bishop. 
and is talking about oh the deacon's wives. Okay. All right. Let me make sure sometimes these uh, other translations they don't do a good job of translating certain scriptures here. Let me see. First Timothy three verse eleven. Yeah, it's talking about their wives. The wives of deacons must not be slanders. All right. So, Second Timothy chapter three verse three. All right, Second Timothy three verse three uh, talks about the the evil characteristics of the end times. Second um, Timothy three verse one says, "Remember this: there are some terrible times coming in the last days. Uh, the last days are certainly the twenty first century, ladies and gentlemen." And then in verse three it says, "They will have no love for others and refuse to forgive anyone. They will talk about others to hurt them, and will have no self control." And so again, we want to avoid that type of evil tongue that Lashan. Hurrah. You have to avoid it. Titus chapter 2, verse 3. Titus chapter 2, verse 3. Also teach the older women to live the way those who serve the Lord should live. They should not go around saying bad things about others or be in the habit of drinking too much. They should teach what is good. And see, Paul put this in here because he knew from experience that older women have this problem. They they go around and 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 uh, they say bad things about others or be in the habit of drinking too much. Uh, uh, it, it tends to be a problem. And it's like he talked about men here, not to be partial. He says, teach the older men to have self control, to be serious, and to be wise. Um, men in an assembly have a tendency not to have self control, and and they're not serious. So. But anyway, women, any women listening to me right now on this on this program, you need to, to really work on controlling your tongue. Men too. First uh, Timothy chapter five verse thirteen. Again, it's addressed women again having a problem with their their tongues again. First uh, Timothy chapter five verse thirteen. Also, these younger widows begin to waste their time going from house to house. They also begin to gossip and try to run other people's lives, and they say things they should not say. So again, this is a problem among the assemblies, <laughs> where you have younger widows, and this is under the inspiration of God that Paul wrote this. So. If uh, you're a, wi- a younger widow, pay attention. If below 60 years old, pay attention to this. It says, also these younger widows begin to waste their time going from house to house. Not all younger widows are like this, but under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Obviously, some women have this problem in the assemblies. Um, they also begin to gossip and try to run other people's lives. And we should not try to run any people's lives, ladies and gentlemen. We have no business to do that. We can try to give them suggestions, but... We shouldn't, you know, try to run. I try the best I can not to run anyone's life. My son, I try to guide him in the right direction. It's up to him. He's 18. It's up to him to make his decisions on his own. They also begin to gossip and try to run into people's lives. They say things they should not say. And so anyway, the admonition to younger widows is this. So I want the younger widows to marry 
So if you're a younger widow, you should try to get married if you're not married. Have children and take care of your homes. That's what you need to be focusing on, not trying to run people's lives, but taking care of your homes. If they do this, our enemy will not have any reason to criticize them. But he says, unfortunately, some of the younger widows have already turned away to follow Satan. And how do younger widows follow Satan? By gossiping and trying to run into people's lives and saying things that they should not say. Okay. 1 Peter 2, verse 11. So then, stop doing anything to hurt others. Don't lie anymore and stop trying to fool people. Don't be jealous or say bad things about others. Again, we have to avoid that, saying bad things about other people. Okay, and in Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse, well, before I read that, I wanted to read something else. I have seven minutes left here. Go to Judaism 101. I wanted to read uh, some wisdom here about this problem. It says, the Talmud tells the story of a student who revealed, oh, no, that's not what I wanted to read here. Let's see if I can find it here. Oh, here we go. The person who listens to gossip, this is in Judaism 101 under um, speech in Lashana Hara, the evil tongue, Judaism 101, and states here under tail-bearing, the subheading tail-bearing, um, is it the, okay, here it is, yes, the subheading tail-bearing. The person who listens to gossip is even worse than the person who tells it because no harm could be done by gossip if no one listened to it. Good point. The person who listens to gossip is even worse than the person who tells it because no harm could be done by gossip if no one listened to it. It has been said that Lashan Harad, disparaging speech, disparaging speech or the evil tongue, kills three. The person who speaks it, the person who hears it, and the person about whom it is told. The Talmud, Arachin, A R A C H I N, Arachin, Arachin, fifteen B, and the Talmud. That's where it's uh, located. Then Matthew chapter eighteen, Matthew chapter eighteen, and the Talmud is um, um, interpretations of the um, the Old Testament or the Tanakh by the Jews. Some of it makes sense, some of it doesn't. Okay, in that case, it, it makes sense. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 15. This is how we handle evil speech, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, we don't listen to it. But however, if there's something that you have against your sister or brother, or they said something that uh, you didn't like or whatever, or they hurt your feelings, then what you do, Matthew 18, verse 15, if your brother or sister in God's family does something wrong, go and tell them what they did wrong. Instead of going going around being a tailbearer telling everyone else, you go tell them what they did wrong. Do this when you are alone with them. If they listen to you, then you have helped them to be your brother and sister again. But if they don't, but if they refuse to listen, Matthew 18, verse 16, go to them again and take note one or two people with you. 
then there will be two or three people who will be able to tell all that happened. So this is a way to do it, an organized way. Verse 17, if they refuse to listen to them, then you tell everyone. Then you tell the assembly. And if they refuse to listen to the church, treat them as you would treat someone who does not know God or who is a tax collector. So what many people do, and I've been guilty of this, we go and tell um, the negative thing to everyone first. No, you don't do that. First you go privately and tell them what they did wrong. If they don't listen, then you take someone else and you both tell them. If they don't listen, then it's time to tell the whole assembly. The whole assembly knows about it. That's the way to do it. That's when it's not evil speech according to the instructions of the Messiah in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 and 17. So it's very important to understand this, ladies and gentlemen, and um, I'm going to quote another scripture, but uh, what I want to do is uh, have you listen to um, a commercial done by myself, and I'll be right back. This ministry gives biblical teachings for free, and we will never sell our teachings. The Lord commands us to give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. This is found in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so have the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13 to 14. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. This is found in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. We are not a 501c3 church or religious organization that is associated with the federal or state government of this world. Therefore, your contributions to this work of Elohim, God, are not tax deductible. However, we appreciate any tithes, offerings, or donations you are willing to give to this work of God. Your contributions will help us to continue to preach the good news of the peaceful and wonderful kingdom of God to as many people as possible over the Internet. To help us preach this important message to as many people as possible, go to our website, MercifulServantsOfGod.com and click the yellow donate button. Thank you, and may God bless you. Okay, we're back. I'm going to go a little over here, so um, probably five or ten minutes. What I mean is that I'll be off the air soon, but I'm going to continue on um, in the special recorded feature that Blog Talk Radio has. Uh, the program will be available for you to review and review the ending that you're not going to hear. Uh, I would say in approximately, uh, probably around 12 or 12.30 Eastern Standard Time. Okay, so I'm going to continue on here, and uh, you are in about uh, 39 seconds. Uh, I'm going to be off the air, but you can listen to the entire program in its entirety uh, around 12 or 12.30 Eastern Standard Time. Eastern Standard Time, I'm estimating. So uh, for those who um, won't be hearing me here in the next um, 20 seconds or 19 seconds, which means everyone is listening to me right now, shalom, peace.
and God willing, I'll be available to um, speak to you uh, next week. Again, shalom, peace. Okay, I'm going to continue on with uh, the program here. Psalm 41, verse 6. Psalm 41, verse 6. Psalm 41, verse 6. Psalm 41, verse 5. Uh, it says, My enemies say bad things about me. They ask, When will he die and be forgotten? And in verse 6 of Psalm 41, If they come to see me, they don't say what they really are thinking. And <laughs> I can relate to that. Uh, if they come to see me, they don't say what they are really thinking. They come to gather a little gossip and then go to spread their rumors. Those who hate me whisper about me. They think the worst about me. They say, he did something wrong. This is why he is sick. He will never get well. And, you know, this this is, again, an example of, of gossip that, that God hates. And, and this is just a good example of this, and that's the reason why I'm quoting it. I think I need to quote it again here. Um, Psalm 41, starting in verse 5, My enemies say bad things about me, they ask, When will he die and be forgotten? In verse 6 of Psalm 41, If they come to see me, they don't say what they are really thinking. I can, again, I can relate to that. They come to gather a little gossip and then go to spread their rumors. Verse 7, those who, because this happened many times with me throughout my my life here, I'm 47 years old, and and I can tell, I can just sense that people are just talking about me and other people behind their back. Um, verse seven: Those who hate me whisper about me; they think the worst about me. They say he did something wrong. That is why he is sick. He will never get well. And then Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28. Troublemakers are always causing problems. Their gossip breaks up the closest of friends. And it says here, verse 20, Cruel people trick their neighbors and make them do wrong. And then in verse 30, With a wink of the eye, they plan to trick someone. With a grin, they make plans to hurt their friends. And that's not right, ladies and gentlemen. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't. It's just totally wicked to do something like that. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8. People love to hear gossip. I talked about that at the beginning of this program with this country's history with gossip magazines. We just love it. It is like tasty food on its way to the stomach. And then Proverbs chapter 26, starting in verse 20. It says, without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, arguments stop. <laughs> and that is such such truth in that one scripture. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 20, and then James chapter 3 talked about, of course, the tongue being like a fire. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, arguments stop. Arguments stop. Verse 22, people love to hear gossip. It is like tasty food on its way to the stomach, unfortunately. 
that's that's really unfortunate, ladies and gentlemen. And we have to overcome these things. So let me go back to Judaism 101. It has some some advice on when tail-bearing is allowed. It says there are a few ex- exceptional circumstances when tail-bearing is allowed or even required. Most notably, tail-bearing is required in the Jewish court of law because it is a mitzvah, a commandment to give testimony, and that mitzvah overrides the general prohibition against tail-bearing. Thus, a person is required to reveal information, even if it is something that was explicitly told in confidence, even if it will harm a person in the Jewish court of law. That's common sense. A person is also required to reveal information to protect a person from immediate serious harm. For example, if a person hears that others are plotting to kill someone, he is required to reveal this information. That is another reason why the commandment not to go about as a talebearer is juxtaposed, or you know, stand in position right next to another thing, with you shall not stand aside while your fellow's blood is shed. In limited circumstances, one is also permitted to reveal information if someone is entering into a relationship that he would not enter if he knew certain information. For example, it may be permissible to tell a person that his prospective business partner is untrustworthy or that a prospective spouse has a disease. This exception is subject to significant and complex limitations. However, if those limitations are satisfied, the person with the information is required to reveal it. Okay, Leviticus um, 25, verse 17 says, You shall not wrong one another. This has traditionally been interpreted as wronging a person with speech. It includes any statement that will embarrass, insult, or deceive a person or cause a person emotional pain or distress. Again, let me underscore this. It includes any statement that will embarrass, insult, or deceive a person or cause a person emotional pain or distress. So that's something we need to really, really take to heart, ladies and gentlemen. Here are some commonly used examples of behavior that is forbidden by this commandment. You may not call a person by a derogatory name, nickname or by any other embarrassing name, even if he is used to it. So we shouldn't call people names. That's not good. You may not ask an uneducated person for an opinion on a scholarly matter that would draw attention to his lack of knowledge or education. So that's just really cruel. You know this person doesn't know what you're talking about, and yet you're asking them a question just to be a prankster, and that's not good. You may not ask a merchant how much he would sell something for if you have no intention of buying. You may not refer someone to another person for assistance when you know the other person cannot help. In other words, it's a violation of Jewish law to give someone to run around. You may not deceive a person even if no harm is done by the deception. For example, you may not tell or sell non-kosher meat. Non-kosher means, um, if you look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 14, Leviticus chapter 11, God commands us and tells us what foods are clean and what foods are not clean, what meats are clean and what meats aren't clean. So a non-kosher meat uh, would be a meat that's not clean, like pig meat. You may not sell non-kosher meat to a non-Jew, telling him that it is kosher, even though no harm is done to the non-Jew by this deception. You may not sell a person damaged goods without identifying the damage, even if the price you give is fair for the goods in their damaged condition. You may not offer a person a gift or invite a person to dinner if you know that that person will not accept. You may not comp- compliment a person if you do not mean it. So anyway, th- th- that's, these are some pointers, but I think uh, I, I think you really do understand that we need to avoid talking bad about someone. 
And even if it's true, we need to go to the person first. And if that person doesn't listen, take another person. And if they don't listen, then you take it to um, the assembly or whatever organization you're in. That's the way to do it. So, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you understand the seriousness of gossip. It can destroy families, individuals, nations, and countries. So, God willing, I'll be available uh, to teach you next week. May Elohim, or God, bless and keep you. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.